Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of EdgeGuard Podcast, the podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. Uh, this is the third annual Edgy Awards. Yay! So, listeners of the podcast um, uh, will know that this is the uh, the yearly thing that we do. Uh, me, Jordan, your host, and Blake, uh, my co-host. Um, that we do we do every year uh, as a kind of roundup of the last year uh, in uh, Edgeguard podcast gaming. So we we go through every game that we played for the last uh, year, which you know depending on how many weeks we skipped is between fifty and fifty two. Uh, so quite a few games, mm-hmm. and we come up with six, uh, usually about six or seven um, award categories. This year's there's six, uh, and. Um, they range from the, you know, plausibly real to the, you know, not a real uh, award category. <laughs> but we then we then assign them uh, uh, we, a winner. Uh, and it's just sort of like um, uh, we it's supposed to be like a retrospective on the, you know, sort of year in um, in indie gaming. And mm-hmm. then uh also just you know a chance to revisit the games from the the last year that we really um really enjoyed because you know it's always so fun to go back through them we just every time we do this uh blake and i were talking about this uh (laughs) when we were preparing this episode man we just play so many cool games and uh it's really fun to go back through and see how um in a lot of ways they are cool in ways that it feels like they're sometimes explicitly or just implicitly in conversation with each other Mm. so it's fun to it's fun to categorize them and and see who did the best at the weird thing that we decide they were trying to do. Yeah, um, I, I think I think my favorite aspect is uh, coming up with weird cat, like finding the weird ways in which the games relate to yeah. each other. Yeah, or, or yeah, sometimes totally. they're uh, a bit tenuous, but that's that's part of the fun, right? That's the fun. <laughs> yes, classic uh, category from last year. You'll remember least game. Uh, uh, least game, a classic. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, so that's what we'll be doing um, this episode. So um, these are all games that we've uh, dedicated an episode to before. Uh, so they have sort of our full discussion there and full credits as well if you want to check that out. But we do also want to credit um, everyone that we talk about here. But rather than uh, be going through full credits for all these games, some of them have many people on them. Uh, we just we tweet out cr- credits for the, the winners in a... Um, uh, as a thread to the the episode announcement for this. So if you want those credits, uh, they'll be there. I mean, creator names will come up as we're talking, but that'll be mm-hmm. sort of the, the formal crediting that we will do. Um, and then also, if you want uh, to just find some of these games uh, on, on our Twitter, it's an easy way to sort of get all that information. So that's, that's where that will be. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let the edgies commence. And then this is where Blake cuts out to a... Uh, special edgy sound i feel like i feel like every year you're like oh we're gonna put in some different music or something i'm like listen jordan i don't have that i don't have that i I just i'm not gonna pay to license just feed uh feed the uh edge guard um theme song and the song they play at the oscars into a neural net and (laughs) And just see see what comes comes out out on the Uh, other end i don't think it'll be good i mean i could try my hand (laughs) at making some kind of fanfare but that sounds like a lot of work maybe next year (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so for our first category, uh, in no particular order, sometimes we try to, there's kind of a one that's the equivalent of best picture, but this year is um, truly uh, <laughs> not rank ordered categories. So the first order, um, this one I was particularly proud of. I think it's amusing. Also amusing how many, how full we were able to make this category when we were narrowing it down. Oh, that's the final thing to say. Uh, many of these categories, uh, more, quite a few games fit into, but we we narrowed it down to three um, three contestants for each category uh, that we will then decide upon the winner uh, here live on the air. Um, so the first category is uh, best simulated museum space. Uh, and so we came up with this one because there were just a lot of games that we played this year that took place in a museum or otherwise was trying to um, be some a, kind of exhibit kind of mu museum or exhibit vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and the three we settled on were all quite literally museums. So they all have museum uh, in the name. In fact, they do. So the, the, the three um, contestants are the museum of mechanics, lock picking, uh, the online um, Museum of Multiplayer Art, or OMOMA, uh, and then the Museum of the Saved Image. Mm. So um, maybe I'll just give a quick summary of each of those so people remember what these games are about. So <laughs> Museum of Mechanics Lockpicking was the most recent one that we played. This was a game that took a bunch of uh, lockpicking mechanics from uh, RP uh, famous RPGs and sort of put them on display for you to try out. Omoma was this weird multiplayer game where <laughs> you uh, you sort of controlled a little 2D avatar and um, each room you went into had a different uh, constraint on your ability to uh, communicate with other players via, te via text. So it would like garble your text in interesting ways. And then Museum of the Saved Image was this, uh, the creator's... Um, they they went through their old files in their computer and didn't want to get rid of all of them, so they turned them into this uh, this explorable museum space that kind of has a bit of a spatial storytelling element to it mm. as you as you walk through it. So, so those are the three uh, three games for this category. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, who wants to uh, take the first stab at uh, talking about the strengths and weaknesses of these these games? Um. Hmm. Let's let's see. I mean, I, I think for me this category is Omoma. Personally, okay. I I thought I thought you might say the same. So I that's what I settled on as well. Um, nice. It was close. It was close um, mm -hmm. because I I just um, although I think I ha overall had the 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 best experience playing Omoma. Uh -huh. I was. Um, I have a very soft spot for museum of mechanics just as, uh, yeah. you know, we had talked about wanting this to just become a thing. Sure. So, you know, I wanted to shout that one out uh, because I want there to be more museums of mechanics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the whole angle of sort of, uh, I think you, I think you refer to it as a pedagogical sort of in nature. I think that whole angle yeah. <laughs> is something that uh, is, is cool and interesting and, and worth having in the space and definitely, uh, I, I don't know that this is going to be like some big trend setting game. However, it's a, it's an interesting project and uh, the uh, it's presented really well, all the information it's really well researched and uh, laid out in a way that uh, is like useful, but also interesting just sort of mm -hmm. as a curiosity. Uh, I, I think I, th I thought the museum of mechanics was, was great. Uh, however, the Omoma, there, there's there's nothing that could upstage me uh, fooling you for like 40 oh, minutes man, into was, thinking I was yeah, a you stranger. Can't just give, 
Yeah, you, you're really giving an award to your own uh, chicanery as the <laughs> the winner of this category is Ugh. Blake's tomfoolery. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, if you missed that episode, Blake uh, <laughs> pretended to be... It's a game where you're, they, ideally you're supposed to be playing at the same time as other players, but there's no way of identif- you know easily identifying who you are. You just pick a name for yourself. And Blake pretended to be some rando. Well, I didn't okay. realize I was, in, I was playing the game with Blake. Listen, in, in, in fairness, I did not know it was you immediately. I, yeah, I you yeah. know, you're going around, <laughs> you have an anonymous name. Uh, a lot of the, it, it, it's sort of like a, a chat room with sort of like uh, mini games that limit your ability to communicate, uh, you know, throughout. So it kind of becomes a more gamified version of a, of a chat room. Yeah, uh, totally. but anyway, you're just kind of cruising around, interacting with the people you find. I had met some interesting people. I think I remember there's some person from Canada who I ended up talking to for like 30 or 40 minutes uh, in the VIP room. Uh, Was this the one who I then ran into uh, after you talked to them and they said they were from Utah and it made me I was like, wait, what? I, I don't know Do you remember this. Oh, I there was someone that you talked to that I then talked to that they when I asked where they were from, they just said Utah. I don't think they actually were, but it's because they uh, had been talking to you. And oh, I was like, yeah, I don't remember that. Okay. But it was a whole thing. But yeah, anyway, you're just interacting with people. And then at a certain point, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Jordan. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> at first I was like, I should this might be Jordan. Maybe I'll mess with him a little bit. And then the lie got too deep. There was no there was no way I could back yeah. out. Well, and I'm just a very I'm a very trusty person because there was a moment early on when I was like, um, I wonder if Blake is playing. And uh-huh. then when I everyone that one guy asked where you're from and you came up with some bullshit. I forget what yours. I said you Indianapolis. Said I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh yeah, Indianapolis. I um I was just like, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> It's like not Blake. You rude. Blake would never lie to me. You played. You played right into my trap. I would lie to you if mm, for the entertainment value of the listener <laughs> <laughs> and myself as well. Um, um, yeah. So I did want to just say also that uh, I think Omoma is so good at. Um, I, I, I sort of describe the experience it's going for as like rapid fire role playing or something like that. Mm-hmm. that it does a, a great job of like turning the um it, it almost reminds me of like uh like world of warcraft or some mmo where you're like in the lobby waiting for an event and uh-huh. everyone's just kind of like hanging out in a digital oh, space sure i feel around. like omoma does that um it creates that uh that sort of space really well sure, uh, and then sure. also kind of gives it um you know so what, what sort of is also fun about just hanging out in digital spaces is like everyone just kind of screwing around with the mechanics in omoma also like really uh does a good job there as well yeah so um and then of course i i did like museum of the saved image um uh, the idea of sort of archiving your uh your digital um history that way um but you know just omoma it's too good yeah yeah uh i i I also wanted to shout out museum of the saved image a little bit as well i i had the that interesting sort of like had this layer of like how much of this was added for the game versus like literally just what was on this person's hard drive. And there ended up being this sort of narrative about this, this person that they had met that had this strange, it was like, you know, an, an internet friend, uh, and that had kind of like gone MIA and they're like, I don't know what happened to this person. Mm -hmm. There's, there's kind of an interesting narrative arc to the whole thing, uh, on top of it just being like, uh, uh, you know, an interesting idea of like, here's, 
all the shit saved on my computer before I dump it as a game, I guess, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was, it was a really cool project, but yeah, the Omoma actually, I don't think we've talked about this, but we actually, uh, ended up playing with some of our other friends, uh, after we played it for the podcast, we were like, let's get a few people and, uh, (laughs) all go in with anonymous usernames and, you know, just mess around for a bit. And, uh, it was pretty fun. Even, uh, even normal, well, quote unquote, normal people like our friends <laughs> were having fun, uh, messing around with the different rooms. Actually, I, I think the one that started to shine more than what we talked about in the episode was the, uh, the like role play room where it's like the family and the milkman. Yeah. Although uh, I did think that our role play Blake was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that one definitely shines for sure. Nice. Uh, well, any closing thoughts on best, uh, simulated museum space? Uh, no, let's, uh, let's take it to the next category. Great. Great. So the next category, this, this one sort of started as our, uh, as our like best action game, uh, category or like best feel type category. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, this is raddest use of, of slow motion. Uh, uh, we, we kind of, were looking at the, the top three games. We're like, wait a second. All three of these games feature some slow motion. Uh, so the three games, uh, in consideration for this category are lithium city, uh, by Nico Tuasen, uh, Shady Knight by uh, Captain Sai, and Carlson by uh, Danny Dev, I believe is the name of that, uh, the developer mm-hmm. of Carlson. Um, so yeah, those are our three games. Uh, Lithium City, we played quite recently. It was uh, um, an isometric uh, action game with uh, a, a, a very linear and uh, uh, bespoke campaign. Uh, that was uh, really, really cool and fast paced. And the slow motion was like cool anime girl sword stabbing, dodging around bullets and stuff. Um, Shady Knight uh, is actually a uh, a um, it was a demo of a game that we played way back when it was a game jam game. Mm-hmm. So this is like a first person sword combat game in the slow motion. There uh, is when you're like knee sliding uh, to like knock people over, uh, or like kick them into the air. Uh, you kind of get this like slow motion effect as you're knee sliding and you're aiming your kick, which is pretty cool. And then Carlson was a first person shooter where you're running around at really high speeds doing wall running. I believe there's like a, there's like a grappling gun that you're using. There's a lot of, uh, it's kind of all about like uh, momentum and, uh, Mm -hmm. and weird shenanigans as you like fly around like interesting platforming bits. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely an interesting game. I'm trying to think of, uh, the slow motion in this game. Uh, was it a similar thing of like a knee slide or do you remember in Carlson? Uh huh. Um, there was a, I don't remember if it was something you controlled, but it was like, uh, when people, um, uh, I mean, there was slow mo it, when I think there's like when explosions happen, there was slow motion. You know what? I mm. actually don't remember this well enough to say, uh, but things <laughs> happen slowly at times. Things happen slowly at times, huh? <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to take your word, uh, on that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's those are the three games. Uh, do you would you like to uh, to uh, r- make a case? Um, now I'm just feeling embarrassed about uh, being able to account <laughs> for the slow motion in Carlson. Um, so uh, yeah, I can start. Um, so this one was, uh, you know, if you had listened to 
me uh, talk about it in the episode, you may not think that this is what I settled on, but I think it's likely it's what you settled on as well. But I'm going to go with Lithium City on this one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I so the you'll remember in the episode that because at the time my gamepad had like it just died, it stopped working. <laughs> so I had to play this game all with mouse and keyboard, which um, worked pretty good in the shooting intensive parts. But I definitely think it's more of an action game than a shooting game. So for the most part, that was a big crutch and it made the final bass boss so hard. I tried like for an hour and a half and just could not beat the final boss. Uh, <laughs> then we recorded the episode and then uh, a few days later I went back and beat the final boss on my second try after mm-hmm. trying. So it was just, you know, one of those games where you have to get some space away from it and then it'll, it'll sink in. You got to get in the zone, baby. But yeah, I was, I was quite frustrated at the time, but I mean, it's just that game you know, could be in a textbook for video games uh, underneath the word juice. Like it is just that game just looks and feels and plays so rad. Yeah. Like it's it's extremely good (laughs) And every every step. And I also feel like all the different elements are uh, like uh, working towards the same aesthetic. Like somehow Mm, the mm -hmm. the mechanics feel like um, this sort of neon the the mechanics feel like they match the the sound and the neon uh colors sure um, uh, in in a way that is just it uh, it's a joy to play yeah yeah it should be noted this is this is probably the game on our uh that we played this year with the longest development time i think this game has been a development yeah for something i mean like it is a little bit seven of a, years um, <laughs> yes longest development time it's the most you know it's pretty close to like a you know, I think there's a when people think indie game, that phrase that it tends to summon, I think, games more like Lithium City than a lot of what we play. Sure. A lot of what we play is like like experimental games, student yeah, games, non, non-commercial ga- projects. Ga- non, non, that's a good way to put it. Non-commercial projects. Lithium City really was like, a, you know, he was doing this um, uh, basically as his job, although he was also doing other stuff while he was. Yeah. Doing it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this uh, Lithium City, I I can't help but uh, agree with. It's just so good. I think people don't need to hear me gush about it anymore because you can go back and listen to the episode to hear me gush about it. So uh, maybe we should talk about the other games a little bit. Uh, Shady Knight, I do think (laughs) is cool. I'm I'm real excited to play the the full game uh, Mm -hmm. once that's out. Uh, I think, yeah, neither of us ended up getting to play that demo as much as we want because we kind of came to it uh, late in the time period when it was available. Uh, and so I definitely didn't get to put as much time into it as I wanted to. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll next year or the year after, maybe that'll that'll be number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, Shady Knight is, uh, was very cool. Carlson, I, I'd, I'd like to talk about Carlson because at the time I definitely I remember thinking it was cool, but also being pretty frustrated uh, at certain things and thinking there were just like a, a few little uh, uh, rough edges that uh, made it hard to get in. And for a game that was all about like being difficult and precise, I found well, it. Well, yeah, I, I do want to wanna say we didn't. This is something we talked about at the time, but the creator, uh, Danny, is known primarily as a YouTuber and not as a game developer. And this was one of their first, uh, and this was kind of the premise of the video. It, it was going to be their first attempt at making an actual 3d game. Oh. So pretty impressive in that 
respect, although it is uh, someone with who like has, uh, I, I don't watch their YouTube channel, so I can't say in particular, but they do have some kind of software development experience. Um, oh, interesting. Um, and I think I, they've made non 3d games before, but yeah, knowing that it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, mechanically pretty involved for, uh, a, a, a first, uh, I mean, games in 3d are already just like, there's just so much going on in a 3d game engine. There's just a lot to manage and the complexity is, is huge. So shouts out. It, it was a, it was a fun and uh, entertaining game for sure. You could you could really get cooking, which uh, you know yeah. I, I always appreciate when you can get cooking in a, in a game, just really haul ass. <laughs> yeah, well, the we talked about this a little bit, but there's a great speed run for it already. Um, that you can watch. It's like two minutes they do the entire game. Yeah, uh, and I think that can often be the sign of a of a game that has interesting um, core uh, mechanics. Mm. Uh, if the if there are creative ways. For them to be broken by speedrunners, mm-hmm. and I think that the the grapple is definitely right on the money for that because the the people who the the, the speedrunner who has the record they just like grapple in crazy ways, and it's it's very entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, did do you have any other thoughts about any of the games presented here, or shall we? Um, uh, uh, maybe just one final thing. Uh, shout out that Shady Night. We had mentioned this before, but uh, we talk every time we talk about it. We talk about the fact that first person melee combat very hard to do, and mm. that game uh, is a very good example of um, a, sure. a game that's successful at that. So just want to shout that out. But winner yeah. Lithium City, hooray! Yay! Background <laughs> applause. Nope. Definitely okay, so not. this next one comes, uh, d- the category comes ripped straight from an episode. Uh, uh, it's a quote that from me, um, and it's called Biggest Undulating Morass. And I guess the the implication <laughs> of that wording is that the one with the biggest one has to win. No. Uh, although no. I don't think that's the spirit of it. Uh, so we just, we had, we noticed that we had a lot of games that were experimenting with some kind of like swarm or or like a big collective mechanic. <laughs> uh, so these are all games that have like a lot of little units on the screen that are have some level of independent motion, and it's uh, you know causing shenanigans, both mechanical and graphical, mm-hmm. um, especially graphical in some of these cases. Yeah, uh, but the the three contenders are Planet Friend by Laura Miche and Blendo Games. Blast Flock by Travisol Dog and Horde. Uh, so just a little summary of each one. So Planet Friend was the one that was designed as like a, a COVID-19 uh, quarantine game. So very quick turnaround time. And mm-hmm. it is a, basically a planet evolution sim. <laughs> you have this little planet where um, animals, plants, and sentient humanoids um, evolve uh, and you can interfere with the evolution in various ways by taking various with the lasers. <laughs> yes, there's different lasers that cause different effects, like make everyone horny, for example. Uh, <laughs> and you can you can change the fate of the planet by tinkering with their proportions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blast Block we played recently was one about um, kind of like a, a, a fighter plane dogfighting game, except mm-hmm. instead of controlling one plane, you control this huge uh, group of planes. Uh, that kind of all uh, move around um, 
where you you point as kind of a swarm so you have to control all of them and then on a similar note horde was a game about controlling a zombie horde and uh, adding to your horde and making it bigger and bigger uh yeah so a little bit of um i think blast flock and horde are really uh, you know the ones that are the closest uh-huh. mechanically but we the spirit of this i think was kind of like games that are uh asking you to control in some way you know large groups of things uh, rather than one thing or something like that. That's my attempt yeah, to get and, Planet Friend in the category. Yeah, and also sort of like uh, observing the uh, effects uh, when you're when you're not controlling a single character. Observing the effects on a big group is like a lot of mm-hmm. the fun, uh, but in a different way than, for example, like a, uh, a, a RTS or something where you have a bunch of little units running around, but you're basically controlling them as like go this way, you know. Whereas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, undulating morass you know there's a lot of shit on the screen uh and your level of direct control over them is uh dubious at best um or or the interaction between uh all the different uh the things on screen are are like the game so i think yeah like you mentioned for blast flock and horde specifically that's like totally the the thing Mm -hmm. uh whereas planet friends a little bit more about manipulating the the planet and just kind of like uh, the the all the little units on screen are just sort of a representation of the status of your planet but still the way they move around and the little blurbs of text that pop out of them are uh, a, a big part of the fun so i uh, we we thought it fit um do you have uh any any uh arguments you want to uh present uh or should uh, i i don't because this one was so of the three we've done so far, this one was the hardest for me to come to a determinate end. I have the one that I mm. sort of settled on, but okay. I, I could be swayed. So I want to hear yours. Yeah. Well, I'm interested you that you you come in with like a decision made because I'm this one especially. I'm kind of like I I definitely don't have one pick. I would say. Oh, okay. Well, if you if you don't either, then I can. Uh, I'll say my thinking for the two I was thinking before. So sure. I think. Um, the spirit of the, I, I, the spirit of the category, I was leaning towards blast block mm. uh, because I think I I thought that that was uh, the the most interesting take on asking you to um, control, uh, you know, like like fluid dynamics as a a thing the player is controlling in their units, mm. and the reason why I say that is because horde, um, it's a similar idea, but I don't think that it ha- is quite as um, followed through as it is in blast block and then Mm. planet friend is um a great game i really liked it uh but i think that um it's it's sort of uh more within a familiar established genre like the kind of simulation game i think it's a a great example of it but blast flock i think was uh doing something that doesn't um you know, I can't really think of any analogs for it. Now, that being said, uh, the reason I'm torn is I enjoyed playing Planet Friend more, I think. Mm. So that's the other one I was leaning towards. Wow, that's interesting because I'm kind of caught between like Horde and Blast Flock. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward Horde. I think mm. so I, I do think uh, Blast Flock. I mean, we talked about that. It was literally last week. It's the most recent episode we did. I thought that game I, I struggled with it at first. Uh, we talked a lot about how it was like a, a, a cool, fun premise, but that uh, it was a little bit, uh, you know, there was some inherent there was some inherent tension between, uh, you know, the the coolness of a bunch of yeah. ships flying around and like actually having a controllable or sustainable 
gameplay loop, I guess. Um, and I, I thought Horde, though short and uh, pretty simple, I, I did think it it presented a really it, it presented some fun and interesting things, uh, especially like it, it has a similar tension to uh, Blast Flock, where it's like, all right, I've I've mustered up some strength. Now I've got to try and uh, I've got to try and make it through this next checkpoint because basically you're like building up, uh, you know, your horde into this big mass and then uh, and then you will have to like run past or you'll have to charge, uh, you know, a, a couple of soldiers hiding out behind a truck that are just like dumping machine gun bolts into you. So basically you're just hoping that your group is big enough that uh, few enough of your zombies will be killed before you can yeah, overtake exactly. the, the sort of checkpoint. But then there were also some some physics based puzzles that were based on like having, uh, you know, the right number of zombies to be able to push and pull vehicles and move stuff out of the way. Uh, and also, I just feel like the way that game looked like the the programming and the physics behind the the uh, the uh, eponymous uh, undulating <laughs> morass uh, was it was so good. Uh, I think Blast Flock is cool, yeah. but I thought I thought that uh, um I thought that Horde's uh, visual presentation of all the zombies like st- stepping over each other and just in this giant. Yeah, that's true. I, I, was, I, I was did so really good. like the we had we had compared it to the sort of World War Z effect. It did sure, a great sure. job of getting the zombies to to behave visually that way. One other thing that I will say about Horde that I I had forgotten to mention, but um, near the end it sort of starts to behave more like uh, a puzzle game. And, yeah. you know, this this is the game that I think, because uh, it was a Game Jam game, so it's a little bit of an unfair comparison because they sure. were con- constrained in their time in a way that the other two developers weren't. But that was the one where, um, you know, once it had the sort of puzzling mechanics, it really got the imagination rolling, where mm-hmm. you, see, you see, like, okay, you know, I need a certain number of units in order to be able to move uh, certain spaces and I need a small enough number of units in order to make it over like uh, to make it through certain areas uh-huh. so that the the fact that the size of your horde can constrain your ability to move through the world like is a really interesting idea and you just start thinking about all the really cool like world-based puzzles you could come up with that and so that one I think is the one of the three that I would be most excited to um, see developed into a full-length game sure um, yeah. so that is another way of, of thinking about it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think, I think that's the pick for me is, is Horde. I, I do like blast flock. If you want to dig in your heels, I, 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 I'll, I'm willing to hear that argument, but, uh, I think Horde, although it was like less fully realized than these other two, I think the potential that was there and what was presented was, uh, really cool and promising and fun. Uh, and like you just mentioned, the seeing seeing the 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 physics based puzzles that they started coming up with uh, really got my my gears turning about what other sort of fun uh, engaging ways that they could uh, utilize you having this yeah. big old mass of zombies that I was uh, I was uh-huh. I'm definitely like I, I hope that more comes of it. So I don't know. What are okay, your thoughts? I, you know, you've, you've convinced me cause I was, um, I just wasn't thinking of it in those terms. I, I think I was uh, giving perhaps unfair weight to, uh, you know, the, the feeling of being finished, uh-huh. uh, which obviously horde horde doesn't. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that the, yeah, I would, I will agree that like 
the the hypothetical game it could be is definitely something I would be really 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 interested in seeing. So yeah. um, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll get on board with that. Great. Uh, well, then, uh, unless you have other comments, I, I would say we can. Uh, All right. Crown, biggest crown undulating horde. morass is horde. Yeah, uh, and that's also, biggest in in like you know, it's it's so it big. Was, it was the yeah. most fun. Although, also, if you remember when we played that, I just sat and spammed the spawn more zombies key that's for like true. five it minutes and was had also five thousand zombies. Yeah, you know what? In the spirit of the the category it also wins because it made sure to have a free play mode where you can add as many zombies uh-huh. as you wanted you yeah. could get your undulating mass to an arbitrarily large size i guess the yeah. only limitation being your computer yeah which which is something we didn't uh we didn't mention but uh, all three of these games tend to uh <laughs> start to perform poorly when there's uh, yeah. uh when the undulating morass is uh, is too big yeah uh, although that's, that's also actually okay that is one other thing i wanted to say about this category is these were all games that really made you want to watch a 30 minute youtube video uh giving a crash course in how it works oh sure (laughs) right like it seems like they all had i mean some of them it may not be the most complicated or sophisticated but they just all perk the imagination you're like okay how what is the actual algorithm Uh that's controlling the movement of this how complicated or simple is this because exactly in in either case it'd be interesting like whoa that's crazy complicated or oh that's such a smart way wow it's so simple but yet that simply has this really cool effect yeah for sure yeah, um, so well anyway horde by blast bl4 st was the developer on that i don't know if we said that but um mm-hmm. anyway uh i'll i'll take us into the next category uh which we have dubbed crowdsourced sor- storytelling so basically we wanted to create a category that uh sort of uh captured uh a class of game that we saw quite a bit of this year uh where it sort of uh creates a framework for the uh community of players to create their own stories either individual players to create their own stories or the community of players together to create Mm -hmm. stories collaboratively uh in in one way or another the world is crowdsourced (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so uh for this category we have uh blaze ball uh by the game band which of course was that uh absurdist uh fake baseball fan simulator where the real game is hanging out in the discord chatting with your friends <laughs> that one is maybe uh maybe the inspiration for the category came from 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 that game uh yeah. but then uh, we also have uh, ai dungeon by uh nick walton which was actually actually ai dungeon 2 technically um yeah <laughs> which uh was created uh not as a you know fun commercial game but as a sort of research project by a graduate student um as a uh, test of using artificial intelligence to basically play the dm in a choose your own adventure or text-based adventure so mm-hmm. in that game uh, sort of the the crowdsourcing of the narrative comes both from the player you know typing in text-based inputs and seeing how the game reacts but also the training data which is just like uh, is I believe G is it GL? What is it? GLP GPT 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 two is which the I artificial intelligence has, engine. There's now the next generation of GPT already. So wow. the, the AI Dungeon three man, it'll be it'll be going to be next level. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, you you have this uh, GPT two engine that had been trained on a bunch of data from across the internet. Uh, and so actually and, on actual, I don't know if exclusively this, but the, they did train it on yeah. actual, um, 
text like user yeah, submitted. Well, I think uh, I think games. broadly, I think broadly GPT two is trained on like internet data from like Wikipedia, Reddit and Wikipedia. Probably, but yeah. Uh and then yeah. and then Nick Walton, I think specifically was feeding it uh choose your own adventure player manuals and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um to to sort of And actually uh, the raw text from uh like basically it's like a site where people submit choose your own adventure games that they've made. So. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and then our our third uh, our third option here is uh, Library of Babel, which we played pretty early on in the in the cycle. This was by mm-hmm. uh, Demi, uh, and this was a game that was sort of uh, it was a it was a very vibey game. You were kind of just floating around this abstract space, and the idea was just like. Uh, succinct storytelling. I think there was a character limit, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, how much you could be yeah. posting. Uh, and uh, you just kind of float around. Uh, you'd get uh, pointed in the direction of where other people's stories were. You could read them. Uh, and it, it just kind of uh, had this vibe uh, of uh, not quite sincerity, but it... it, it sort of by playing it you had bought into the concept of like oh it's like this interesting storytelling thing where i'm gonna like leave this sort of weird ambiguous uh you know story and you know let other people do it and so it was it was kind of interesting how uh thematically many of the stories were linked not because the game told you you have to make stories like this but just because Mm -hmm. the the sort of vibe of the game and the uh, inspiration for the name uh which i believe was uh didn't you say the name was uh it's Borges a Borges Luis? short story yeah he's yeah Borges, Argentinian yeah. writer nice um but anyway so yeah and also uh just shout out kind words which was I'm pretty sure the first game we played after last year's edgies or something it was very soon that game went on to become pretty popular um mm-hmm. it was that game was a little bit less about storytelling but had a similar vibe of uh you know being text-based and uh, really dependent mm-hmm. on a, a community of, uh, you know, sharing people, sharing things with each other. So that, that one's technically not eligible to win, but did want to shout it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was honorable mention. Yeah. All uh, right. I feel like I've started the, the arguments for several of them. So why don't you, you take us away for uh, this category? I mean, I, I, gee, I wonder what Blake's going to choose. You know what I, you know, I got to do it to him. Blaze ball, <laughs> baby. Although I, I will say AI Dungeon, I would say of the games we played in the last year, there were a few that I played quite a bit outside of the podcast, which isn't mm-hmm. isn't super common. Um, usually a lot of the games we play are kind of like an hour long, and so you kind of just play them and move on. Uh, but uh, both AI Dungeon and Blazeball, I, qu- I played quite a bit of. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, AI Dungeon, or actually both of them, I also like shared with friends outside of the sort of weird games space, like people who aren't as interested in like weird games, uh, but maybe play more standard games or, are just interested in things. I, I showed a friend from work, uh, AI dungeon because he's a, a real big nerd and he loves star <laughs> Wars. And I showed him that if you give him this, give it the star Wars text crawl as input, it'll kind of, uh, it'll it'll kind of make you your own procedurally generated star wars and he thought that was just the best thing in the world uh, <laughs> so i don't know i i think like blaseball has a special place in my heart because uh it was like we were taking part of it uh uh and when it was having like a really big moment yeah well, maybe not a big moment yeah, but it well, was like i'd say the week we played it was the week it went from uh like 
cult to viral. Sure. Um, or maybe like just the very beginning of the virality. Yeah. Uh, and so we kind of got to watch it take off on Twitter in real time, which was, that was very special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and also just, uh, for me specifically, part of the, the reason it resonated with me so well, is just, I just happened to, uh, have picked a team that had a really good story arc in the period mm-hmm. of time yeah, that we were sure. playing it. Uh, because, uh, at the, at the start of when I was playing it, the team wasn't doing that well. They were kind of middling. And then, I, I wasn't really aware of what Blaseball really was at that point. I was just like going onto the website and doing that whole thing. And then uh, someone on Twitter linked the discord. And so I was like, Oh, I guess I'll go to the discord. And that was on the Saturday and the, the, the playoff, uh, the playoffs for Blaseball each week happen on Saturday and that playoff run, uh, having that be my first uh, few hours of the, of being in the discord was like hanging out with the team as they're like freaking out because we're suddenly going off and having a really strong playoff run after a pretty mediocre season was kind of like, Oh man, that's the magic of sports right there. And I don't even <laughs> like sports or watch sports <laughs> at all. Uh, and yet so, here I am yet. Here I am caring about fake video sports with uh, a bunch of internet weirdos that I've never met. Uh, but so it was just like a really big moment. I think th- obviously the, the game has got become pretty popular, uh, recently. So I think, uh, credit to the devs that, uh, it, it, it is a good game and it has been, uh, crafted in a way to sort of lend itself toward to the, the sort of like narrative mm-hmm. that it, that has happened. But I also just think that like the moment is something that really played into that game strengths. And yeah, what was like a big part of the reason I ended up liking it so much. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So I, okay, that makes it easy. Cause I agree. Uh, I think that, um, I think baseball, uh, takes it in this category for me. I think it was, uh, a little harder to choose between AI dungeon and baseball than perhaps it was for you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I loved baseball. I thought it was super creative and I just, the, I think that the, um, the, the sort of phenomenon that it's become has just been a, a joy to watch. Uh, but, um, you know, it was very, it's very tough for me, uh, to not say AI dungeon. Cause I think it's just super interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a, a certain professional investment in it because it's like everybody, <laughs> everybody who does stuff with like, uh, text analysis is talking about AI dungeon. Cause it's like, wow, it, it, has the ability to reconstruct, uh, like not just correct grammar, but like logically following, um, like semantic, uh, sure. continuity in a way that like text generation just has Usually not been able doesn't. to do at all. Like it can, uh-huh. it can take a topic and stay on topic at least for a while. And that's just crazy. Uh, the thing that, that pushes me over though, is I think the AI dungeon really is mostly a, text game pasted on top of GPT-2, and it uh, ha- doesn't fully um, uh, kind of have its own own personality as a on, sure. on terms of game design. Uh-huh. So I think that Blazeball takes the cake in that c- category for me. Uh, I see. They, so I, I replayed AI Dungeon recently, and they've started to try to come up with ways to... Um, make it more gamey. And I think it's really great, and they'll uh, there'll be a lot of... I think there's some places it can go, but like, for example, they've, um, they're trying to, rather than just have it, you know, kind of like 
it be totally unsupervised in the machine learning sense of just like, you know, we'll give mm. it, you give it some text and we'll see what the fuck happens. Yeah. They're, they're, they're starting to constrain it uh, in oh, ways that obviously make sense for a text adventure. So they're like, after you play, they'll ask you to hand label uh, some uh, text that other people have done and just identify characters, uh, events and stuff like that. Just because mm. then it can, start to develop like an architecture where it's like, uh, Oh, this character is going to stick around for a while. Uh, uh-huh. and I will keep referring to them just so it co- sort of keeps the story going. So yeah. if I think that was what will make AI dungeon really be, uh, feel like a game rather than a kind of a uh, proof of concept of like, Hey, look how cool GBT two is. Uh-huh. Uh, and then maybe that would, if it were there, it would make me change my decision. But blaze ball feels really like a, there's something so complete about it, even just like to the like the it just you you go to the site for the first time and it really feels like, you know, they have this this whole world of fake baseball is Dude, back there and it is like it's waiting crazy. for you. Uh, uh-huh. And there's it's so minimalist. And yet it just it's almost like the opposite, right? Like uh-huh. AI Dungeon gives you a minimal um, uh, you 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 see on the surface all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. whereas blaze balls like look super minimal but then the deeper you go the more the more yeah. complicated it gets yeah and it's it's crazy my my relationship with blaze ball has shifted since we played uh right after we did it for the podcast they went on a two-week hiatus to basically like fix some stuff because the game had gotten way bigger than they expected and they they just needed time to get it into a better place and and when it came back, uh, it's been like two weeks now. I, I haven't I haven't been watching super closely, but I, I still I still follow on Twitter and I check in on the Discord now and again. I, I kind of watch from a distance. It's kind of like uh, my 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 son that grew up or something. I'm kind of <laughs> like I'm like you know it's not really a thing that I think I'll ever be as invested in as I was for that those first like two weeks. Uh, but you know, sitting back and watching it, it's it's fun to see all the weird crazy shit that is happening um but before we move on i did want to shout out uh just uh ai dungeon the way it sort of lent itself to you telling these stories of the the weird shit that uh it came up with uh i i know we talked during our episode about it's uh it's sort of tendency to make things get uh weirdly and suddenly sexual yeah <laughs> and, uh there were there were just kind of like fun weird uh idiosyncrasies about that game uh especially mm-hmm. early on that were that were really fun to to mess with uh and i i do think uh like you were talking about earlier uh, this this game was started as a you know it's like a research project it wasn't really meant to be a you know a game game mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't built with a, a game designer's intent exactly right so it's interesting to see it develop in that way but yeah i do think i do think yeah, what yeah. was going to be what was going to be blaze yeah Ball, honestly you know? the thing that would make ai dungeon 3 truly magical is not simply a more powerful text processor but a more like elegant way of mixing you know more traditional game does like video game design elements mm-hmm. with um with the text processing i almost like imagine a game like um event zero that uh, rather mm-hmm. than having just a, a you know a kind of simple chat bot uh, yeah. something maybe more sophisticated maybe there's some way to do that but yeah uh great well with that uh crowdsource storytelling award goes to blaze ball uh Blaseball. would you would you like to introduce 
the next the category. next category okay so this next category is another one that's a bit of a inside joke from the games we played this year um and to a lesser extent uh throughout the podcast but just this year we've really noticed how vibrant the um like australian indie game scene is uh uh, the reasons for this are not totally clear to me. It seems like part part of it has to do with the fact that there's just lots of um, university game design programs. So there's a lot of uh, young people who have the time and resources because they're students. Uh, so they you know don't have to be having a regular job that they can make really interesting stuff. But that doesn't fully explain it because a lot of these people aren't uh, students. So for whatever the reason, Australia, it's got a great... Uh, uh, indie game scene. So this one is uh, titled Critics' Choice Australian Indie Punk Game Festival. <laughs> so this is, uh, I mean, the the literally the premise is just games uh, by Australian creators. But I think a little more specifically, uh, we've noticed that a lot of these um, these uh, Australian indie games have a kind of like like punk vibe, not in the sort of like. Uh, necessarily in the sense of like the sort of like 80s anarchism although i think that's part of it too there there mm -hmm. seem to be a lot of anarchists too an but independent just like an, spirit say again i said an independent spirit yeah like this sort of like like punk spirit of like um you know uh low budget independent uh sort of art production like i'm just mm -hmm. gonna you know jam out in my garage rather here i'm just gonna make some weird trippy game in my mm -hmm. uh bedroom i guess is that metaphor um <laughs> but the so the three games uh for this category are uh hissy fight by milosoft mm -hmm. soon only the ocean by apparent raisin aka max and a hand with many fingers by Celestia. Mm. so um these are probably this is probably the most um it's got the most variety of the games in the category because they're yeah. not mechanically similar. Uh -huh. uh, they're just all Australian. Uh, yeah. But Hissy Fight uh, was a game about, is a first-person shooter about shooting snakes. Um, and uh, also there seemed, I think there's like some sort of snake invasion plot. You're trying to stop snakes from invading from another dimension or something. I forget. Yeah, something like that. It was really hard. <laughs> it was It was super hard. Um uh, I did manage to complete it, but not easy. Mm. Um, then, or wait, no, maybe I didn't. Maybe I got to the final boss and then couldn't beat the final boss. Maybe mm. that's what it was. Uh, Soon Only the Ocean was very interesting. It was a game that had uh, kind of like mechanical permadeath, um, and it took place over a month. So you install the game. There was a specific time you frame that you could install it and play it. And then every day you log in, uh, the water level would raise a little, a uh, little higher, and you play as this um, like ecologist student of some sort. That you're kind of uh, returning to this island and and getting some environmental data on it. And each time you play the game, the environment looks sli slightly different because global warming is raising the sea level. Um, and then the last game is uh, Hand with Many Fingers, which was about uh, reconstructing a real uh, historical Cold War conspiracy to launder drug money to fund anti-communist militia uh, throughout the <laughs> world uh that was just has this really well executed sort of like um archival puzzle mystery narrative um where you're like eh, you know it's 
obvious joke to make, but it's just kind of like unbelievable that it could be this fun to dig through (laughs) old files. (laughs) Yeah. And to use like find card catalog numbers and go, you have to trudge down into the basement and, and uh, (laughs) cross reference uh, card catalog numbers to find the box with the evidence that you're looking for to try and tie things together. And Mm -hmm. also having like the uh, cork board with yarn uh yes you know God love the you know the honestly the yarn wasn't super important for solving the mysteries but was super important it's great being, for flavor being awesome <laughs> yeah uh, okay so i guess i'll get us started on this one so okay. as much as i love i i think these three games are all super interesting uh it's no question for me this one goes to a hand with many fingers um mm. i just i loved that game i thought it was so so fun, so well executed, and um, uh, just a, a a mesmerizing mechanic, which yeah. sounds funny to say, but it just like you know you uh, the first the first time you go down the stairs uh, to look up a card catalog, you're like, wow, this game is really going to make me do this every time. <laughs> the fifth time you do it, you're like sprinting out of excitement because you're like, ooh, what am I going to find? Um, it's it's funny. We talked about it during the episode, but I, my reaction was hell yeah immediately when it's like oh i gotta i gotta take this card in this basement yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's right you did say that's that. the good shit <laughs> yeah that was not my response the first time i was like <laughs> i have to do that for work and then <laughs> and then the you know get down there and you're like oh oh yeah here mm-hmm. it is yeah i i can't say i disagree with you i i do think that hand with many fingers is probably uh going to to win this award just because it's so good and such a cool uh premise however i do i do think uh maybe from the the sort of spirit of this category and just sort of uh (laughs) anecdotally the amount of times we played a game be like oh that was kind of weird but fun and had a lot of uh heart to it who who made that oh some australian college students cool (laughs) or an australian teenager i believe in this case it was an australian teenager i think milosoft is milosoft whatever i believe yes was i think very young yes um let me see if i can look up their age uh i do think hissy fight uh even though it was like kind of brutally difficult in a way that like i didn't yeah yeah exactly i didn't i didn't finish it i don't think i was ever going to finish it it had some rough edges but the sort of uh indie punk spirit i feel like is is really uh really epitomized by by hissy fight uh that the the whole spirit of that game i believe it had a uh king gizzard and the lizard wizard uh song in there as well Mm -hmm. uh which of course you know extremely australian band so it's 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 got maybe the most australia vibes for me uh but i'm probably gonna have to agree with you that hand with many fingers is is just yeah how are you gonna beat that it's it's yeah so um, so yeah i do think every game in this category is especially strong i do want to just say that um yeah not make it seem like it was an easy choice because they were bad but just because i fell in love with uh, hand of many fingers Uh um also soon only the ocean um uh, just a really uh interesting uh mechanic I, i think it's a great uh, use of mechanics to you know fit theme because mm-hmm. like uh the the sort of feeling of knowing that you know you can never go back that this really is permanent this island will be underwater forever just fits the the sort of like global warming um story it's trying to tell and mm-hmm. um oh and i do feel like we should uh, shout out that the game is um uh 
it was made um, as a, I don't remember if it was publicity for or actually funding for um, Seed, which is a like indigenous uh, environmental organization in Australia. So mm. uh, give them that that shout out. Um, but yeah, very interesting mechanic um, uh, that I think would be cool to see more done with for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious the the real time component of uh it's happening in the real world time this just this once. I, I feel like maybe uh people not as many people got to experience it. It's 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 kind of something that can only exist as like a student or experimental game, right? Because uh you know, mm-hmm, sure. Uh, as a commercial project, it's like how do you sell something that people, you know, are only going to have time limited access to? So it's definitely a a, a really interesting uh, premise. And I think uh, what was learned from it could be more broadly applied to uh, different styles of games, I think, to kind of like Mm -hmm. add real time components that, uh, you know, can can really make your game more impactful. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It was it was a thought provoking and kind of like inspiring sounds cheesy but it, it it kind of uh you know made made me think about the different kind of games where a system like this could be implemented effectively you know yeah so, yeah because yeah. there's something about um you know it's a simple point but just the knowledge that something uh, you can never get it back uh, will kind of by itself uh just make it feel more special and i think besides you know obvious themes like environmental stuff there's all sorts of like stories that could be uh you know the emotional payoff could definitely be like uh, accentuated by having something of like like knowing that you you know you can't go back that it's like one mm-hmm. one time there's something pointing about yeah. that one shot but in the at the end of the day just uh, falls a little bit short of hand with many fingers which was just uh so good if you so good. if you haven't played that game yet please please go play it it is extremely cool uh pretty pretty short but uh you will not forget Mm it um just a really really cool project so uh that that takes the cake any any final comments before we move on to our our final category uh no that's it for me so let's let's hear it great so uh this year uh we have our final category is best cast of characters uh we normally try and have a a sort of like best narrative uh or some sort of like a uh, category to capture games with really strong writing or story or characters. Mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, the, the three games that we sort of had uh, picked as the, our top picks in the sort of narrative category uh, were all really about, uh, you know, really strong characters, not necessarily a, a super involved uh, plot, but mm-hmm. uh, really interesting characters yeah. interacting with one another. Um so those those three games are an afternoon rippling by Marcy Lasserre Lassert, um, which we played pretty early on in the in the cycle, but left a very distinct impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were sort of this. Uh, I believe you're driving through the desert and your car breaks down, uh, so you yes. kind of like wander through the desert to the nearest uh, like it's not quite a town, but you just end up uh, walking around through the desert, encountering all these uh, really strange uh, characters that are, there's like a person riding around on a razor scooter and like 
some people hanging out in a record shop and some people partying in like a system of caves. Uh, and you, you try and like ask these people for help and they all just kind of like act weird and, uh, it's strangely to you. So it's, it's just kind of a, an experience of, uh, being bewildered and it's, uh, but it was, it was really cool. Um, I think I described it, uh, when we played it, I wrote a note in my notebook that said, uh, like twin peaks if uh, twin peaks smoked more pot <laughs> <laughs> um the next game uh was wide ocean big jacket which is by turn follow which of course was the the game about uh 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 four people going on a little overnight camping trip uh and just sort of it was i believe a uh, um an uncle and his nephew uh, and his nephew's friend, or was it his niece? I forget. No, it was his niece. Uh, and then her friend who is her boyfriend question mark. And yeah. then, and then the uncle's wife who they've never had kids. And, uh, it, it it's, it's kind of a, a character study in like, you know, these two people in their thirties who don't have kids and have talked about how they mutually don't want to have kids, but then having this experience where, where you're getting to hang out with your, adolescent uh you know a niece and her friend it's kind of like oh do i want to be parents and so it's it's Mm -hmm. uh gets into that really really great game uh super sweet full of heart very funny um and then finally is uh off peak city or rather tales from off peak city part one what was the it's like the case of i don't remember what the subtitle is but it's tales from off uh off peak city volume one by cosmo d um who is a a creator we've gone back to again and again because his games are just so cool and interesting and full of flavor and this one is no different it's a it's a we're introduced to the this sort of uh about a city block square maybe a little bit bigger than that it's an intersection of two streets and there's just a bunch of buildings with a bunch of weird bizarre people around and a bunch of cool music the the setting is not um New York, but we talked about that it in a lot of ways uh, feels like um, the the same setting as Do the Right Thing, where you yeah, know, there's, a, there's a pizza parlor, everyone's sitting out on their stoop. It's I don't know if it's like if in Off Peak City it says it's like the hottest day of summer, but it's like the similar sort of <laughs> thing where where everyone's outside just hanging around and mm-hmm. the story is told through you know you just encountering people hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, it's just encountering people hanging out. Exactly. Uh, this one's a little bit different because it's like there there aren't. I'm sure the characters have names, but it's a little it's a little bit less about the characters having name and sort of the the uh, mm-hmm. aesthetic palette that the characters are there are like painting in front of you of just like all these weird, bizarre. Like I think there's like a lion statue that talks to you, and there's there's just all sorts of weird, weird shit that goes on. Uh, Indeed but still really cool and great. Uh, do you have, do you have anywhere where you're going to start? I feel like this one's going to be hard for me. This one's going to be hard for me too. I, uh, yeah, actually maybe one of the hardest cause I, (laughs) I could see a case being made for all three of these. Yeah. Same. Um, I don't think there's any obvious standouts. I mean, Oh yeah. I don't know. Do you have a, maybe some, something to talk about that could get us started narrowing it down. 
God, I don't know. So it, it's it's hard because an afternoon rippling. I remember I really really liked it, but we played it. You know, so long ago, o- almost a year ago, a full year ago. So my memory uh, about it is not super specific. So it's like hard for me to you know be like oh well like this character or that character but just the uh the general vibe of that game uh was was so good and and funny and and strange uh i really i, I really well, loved it yeah um, I, I totally agree i do think that um a lot of that game really does stick with you especially like it's kind of like the color palette weirdly yeah, enough just uh-huh. really sticks with you um and and kind of the mood um Maybe one thing that could help narrow this down is we we take the the category a little bit literally. Like, yeah. Like really don't try not to award it based on which one has the best uh, the best story or is even the most fun, but which one we uh-huh. we really feel like the characters are the best. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, that that actually does help me narrow it down. Um, yeah. I think I think for me there's a clear choice uh, if we're closely oh, going for really? the category. I, let's see. I'll say mine and we'll see if. Uh, if okay. we're doing it that way, then for me, it's white ocean, big jacket. Yeah. Yeah. For oh, sure. it's for you too. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that that one, so that's the only one of the three that's realist. Uh, the other two are really surreal and that's the characters true. are, are very, um, charming and intriguing in each one, but mm-hmm. there's something so real about all the characters in white ocean, big jacket, mm-hmm. um, that it, it's really impressive that they're able to, um, establish that in such a short uh, game and also establish that with such a um, like like they I feel like they wrote the kids really well um, it's it's yeah, very hard to, well. to have like believable young people um, mm-hmm. because they either are you know uh, either it's overcorrected and they're like implausibly childish and dumb or <laughs> or they're just un- unbelievably precocious uh, uh-huh. uh, or but cringy one, teens <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but I think this one really does a great job of there's, you know, the, I think that the main character whose name I, I can't think of right now, but she has a kind <sighs> of like, like 12, 13 year old confidence that just yes. felt very real. Um, and then uh, on the flip side, her boyfriend's lack of confidence also felt very, very real. Like, you know, two different ways of sort of like dealing with the the growing pains of being a preteen or, or an early teen. Um and then also just the the way that the I, I felt like the dynamics of the characters were so good. The way that the the adults, um, as people who do not have kids themselves, but are mm-hmm. at an age where that's a thing that is part of their social circle and something they think about, where they yeah. kind of like they really like the kids, but there's something awkward about it. They don't know quite how to <laughs> interact how to act them. around them because they don't uh-huh. have kids of their own. Um, ah, so good. Yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, both Off Peak City and An Afternoon Rippling sort of go for a little bit of a of a broader brush of just sort of characters uh, establishing the the feel of the of the city uh, and and giving you yeah. a lot of uh, more sort of like vibe. Whereas uh, White Ocean Big Jacket is really specifically, I mean, there's there's basically four characters. Y- you interact with a few other people throughout the game. Yeah, the camp for, dude, the guy you get the the camp the, dude, the mean the, teens on the beach. Oh, the mean teens, <laughs> mean uh-huh. teens. <laughs> uh huh. Um, but I I do think that those main four characters are just so well realized, and their interactions with each other are uh are sweet and charming and uncomfortable, uh, and it's a little bit a twee but on the on the on the ex, on the on the good side you know 
which yeah. can be pretty hard to do. Um, yeah, I just think if we're going if we're going strictly based on best cast, cast of characters, I do think White Ocean Big Jacket takes it, even though all three of these games uh, are probably among the top 10 or 15 of games we've ever played for the podcast for me. I, I really, really like all three of these uh, of these games, but I I think yeah, totally. I mean, I think um, Cosmo D has won a uh, award from us previously, right? Uh, maybe two. I I love Cosmo D's games. Cosmo D's uh, games are so good, and I love that Tales from Off Peak City is just a series now. I'm very yeah. excited to have it. I'm, I'm really I'm really interested to see how that space and the characters in it change uh, in subsequent episodes because uh, the the premise is that uh, each episode will still take place in that same chunk mm-hmm. of the city uh just you know d- mutated in in uh in different ways so I'm, I'm really uh i'm really curious to see how that that plays out and also just super excited mm-hmm. um yeah I, one thing i did want to also say um i i don't really know that i have a ton to say about this but marcy lacert also is like a professional uh animator uh and so i think that mm. i just think it's interesting to see uh, her kind of branch out into game design. I don't think she's actually done a lot of game design, but she oh, does. Interesting. She does animate professionally. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that also probably explains, uh, does <laughs> a lot of the explanation for why the game is so visually compelling. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. like, you look at any still from that game and it just really sticks with you. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I just have an image in my head of like what it looks like even though we played it so long ago, there's just like this sort of a desert at sunset or desert at dawn. Yeah. That, yeah, it gets uh, that, that color set really well. It's also, um, it really feels like a comic book almost, which I guess is kind of the point. Sure. It's a, li- it's a little visual novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, really. Yeah. So definitely to say that the, uh, the, the selecting a winner of this category is not to downplay the incredible quality of all three of these games yeah yeah absolutely well uh with that do we want to kind of get to the the wrap up and uh lucy's the the games that didn't quite fit in any of our uh, categories that we'd like to shout out uh yeah so i only have one that was um i have a few like just little shout outs like things that did like one or two you know uh, one or two ideas that i really Mm -hmm. liked and wanted to see more with there was one there was at least one game that i was really like bummed we couldn't find a category home for and that was um uh, high rise which is the the puzzle game about building uh like stacking blocks in order to create um high rise buildings Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just um it really worked as a puzzle game you know it had that sort of like elegant simplicity that makes a uh a phone puzzle game uh work uh and i just you know i know both you and i played it quite a lot we were texting back and forth uh comparing strategies to try to yeah if i if i'm remembering correctly during the episode we neither of us had had like a ton of success like getting uh higher scores so we were kind of like speculating the ways to do that and then uh, after it was like the day after the pod it was like talking about it on the podcast inspired us each to like try some new things and then uh i definitely i think it was for like a week after i was like you know pretty uh i was playing it pretty religiously and like trying to uh really Mm -hmm. get my score up uh so i i that's the other that's the one i was going to shout out as well as uh, a a game that i really enjoyed but we didn't have many other uh puzzle games or 
things of that sort that we could really uh put it in match it with it in yeah. the category yeah we didn't with. that was i think the issue for me that puzzle is another thing that we kind of sometimes try to find a category for but we just didn't end up playing that many um of them or we played a lot of puzzle games that were like a game jam game that only had like one level and so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't quite enough to sustain a full conversation about even if the one idea was was good uh so a couple games in that category that i wanted to shout out um uh ampere if you'll remember was one about connecting uh lights that mm. uh, i thought was um it the the art was really good and i thought it had somewhere to go um but we didn't get to talk about it um another one this i just thought was a fun mechanic uh respawn man um, oh god yeah yeah that, that game was a little silly but yeah. it uh I, I just you know i really liked the the being forced to kill yourself in strategic ways uh, was funny uh, and it, it did create some interesting puzzles uh, and then another one i wanted to shout out was i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation but petarimubu mm-hmm. the the game about playing as this dangly spidery thing uh shooting your arms across the the field i uh, I mentioned this at the time, but that was an, a game where I just found the the motion so fun to play with uh, mm-hmm. that it almost didn't matter that it was attached to a, a puzzle game. Yeah. Great. Well, I, I think you covered everything that I would have uh, mentioned. So I guess well, let's do one one last run through of uh, all the categories and the in the winners. Okay. So uh, for the best simulated museum space. We have runners up museum of the same image and museum of mechanics lockpicking and the winner, the, uh, Oh MoMA, the online museum of multiplayer art. Uh, then we have, uh, the raddest use of slow motion, uh, runners up Carlson and shady Knight. winner lithium city, uh, biggest undulating morass, <laughs> uh, runners up <laughs> planet friend and blast flock, uh, winner horde, crowdsourced storytelling award uh runners up library of babel and ai dungeon 2 uh winner blaseball uh the critics choice australian indie <laughs> punk game festival uh we have uh runners up hissy fight uh and soon only the ocean and then winner a hand with many fingers and then the best cast of characters runners up tales from off peak city volume one and an afternoon rippling and the winner wide ocean big jacket and i think that's it that's the edgies 2020 baby in this uh in this you know miserable hell year uh, <laughs> we still managed to play 52 games uh-huh uh, luckily luckily games posted to itch are by and large uh socially distanced so uh <laughs> the the regular podcast programming and blake and i are socially distanced we're on uh, I guess not quite opposite ends of the country now, but still very far away. Um, so now, uh, you know, we've still been able to record the podcast, which is good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so uh, here's to here's to another 52 games. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I said at the beginning of this, but the best part about doing this award, uh, this little mock award thing, not mock, they're real. They matter. They're very real. <laughs> Uh, uh, this little every year is just going through all the games we played and being like oh yeah that was really cool mm-hmm. uh, and it's just you know it's amazing how much uh vibrancy uh there is to this sort of like you know space of people making games for less than zero dollars um 
it's uh it's incredible i i dare say a renaissance of uh of game design wow yeah yeah you heard me oh man i just realized a game that i wanted to shout out that i forgot terminal 64 meme punk baby oh yeah we, we that was a category that we were not able to find enough entrance for uh-huh. uh was a uh, meme punk we've decided that was another thing i think you coined that one no that was you thing, i'm pretty sure that was me too okay uh-huh. we coined in an episode uh to describe this sort of like um you know uh, uh stealing memes and turning them into full-fledged stories uh-huh. terminal 64 and the other one that would have been in there was um tony hawk's existential nightmare uh, yeah both of which were literally based on a meme yeah um, listen right? you're, you're they, the, they both got their premise from yeah. me because yeah yeah so let's, uh listen you're the you're the guy that comes up with the catchy names for stuff i'm the lexical peasant <laughs> lexical peasant though that's great <laughs> you, that's a you catchy came up name with right that. there <laughs> you came up with that do you not remember i called well, you, you said, a lexical peasant you you called me a lexical peasant when oh i made fun of you for uh, uh coining <laughs> the term undulating morass you, you called me a lexical peasant <laughs> okay man i am i am the lexical bourgeoisie then because that is <laughs> incredible <laughs> uh alrighty. uh tell the people about twitter jordan um Okay, so uh, if you if you want to get uh, links to all these creators' Twitter handles if they have them, uh, as well as just reminders about what these games are, follow us on Twitter. We'll be tweeting out a big uh, big uh, Twitter thread of uh, all the winners, um, and then also that uh, is just where we do general uh, podcast updates. Um, so if you want to be getting um, an update when we have a new episode, or uh, links to the games we play, or if you want to shout out a game recommendation to us, uh, something you stumbled upon on Itch or a game jam that you think would be a good fit, uh, definitely definitely look us up there. So it's at uh, EdgeGuardCast on Twitter. Uh, make sure to give us a follow. Uh, thanks for another uh, great year of, uh, of EdgeGuard games. We'll talk to you next week.